the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is my dear, beloved teacher, Judy G. And we're talking about spiritually working with masculine and feminine energies. I connected with Judy over Skype. She was at home in Saint-Saturnin-les-Aptes, France. So Judy, it's great to have you back on the show again. I had such a great time in our last conversation, but there was still so much I wanted to talk to you about. So thanks for coming back. Thank you, Carmen. Great pleasure to be with you again. What I really am curious about and what I'd like to talk to you about today is about your take on the interplay between the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And those two principles, I think in the West, are um, very often framed by the notion of yin and yang, that the feminine is the containing uh principle and the masculine is the penetrative active principle when i came to see you in france i i came to you to do very intensive work on leveling up my skill and ability and also my practice as a professional intuitive and i was quite surprised about how much time we spent on the masculine and feminine principle and I was feeling a lot of pressure as the breadwinner in my family. And we did really deep work that completely turned my worldview upside down. Specifically, you talked about the Shiva and Shakti uh, framework for the masculine and feminine principle. Can you share with the listeners how you describe the Shiva and Shakti masculine and feminine energies. Absolutely, with pleasure. This whole concept of, of feminine principle and yin and then the masculine principle as yang is a really quite a common, I would say quite a common and well-known concept and I I agree completely with you that that we have this notion of the masculine principle as being penetrating and driving and and the feminine principle as being receptive and 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 passive and uh, and it's true mm. <clears throat> it, it's true to a certain extent I, I I'm and then when we were working together I was presenting to you another notion about that with the Shiva energy and the Shakti energy because, in fact, um, the when we look at the Shiva energy, we're, we're talking about a masculine principle, um, but it's not a masculine principle that's penetrating. It's a masculine principle that's holding the energy. It's like the... Um, it's like a... a, a posed mountain it's a quiet strength and um so i was proposing this notion to you of of 
the Shiva energy, the masculine principle, who is this, this, this divine energy who's sitting quietly holding the space and, um, and the Shakti energy as actually being a kind of a little kind of firecracker volcanic, you know, here, there and everywhere popping in and popping out. That's what, what you're referring to? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. And it was a quite a different concept and, and in fact, uh, it's a concept that I'm quite passionate about because I've been trying to make sense of it myself for many, men, for many years <laughs> because I've been perplexed about this, how does the, how does the divine feminine look compared to the kind of personified feminine, if you like? How does the personified masculine look compared to the divine masculine? Because it's almost like they inverse, they're back to front. And, um, and, and it's really this, this notion of Shiva and Shakti, which belongs to Hindu philosophy and paints the picture of the, of the feminine principle who, who's here, there and everywhere because she's in all the corners and she knows everything about what's going on and, and it's, she's an organizing principle and that really, really looks and sounds a lot like women. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then the Shiva principle, which is this kind of, you know, cool guy hanging out at home, right? And um, holding the energy so that, and that his Shakti woman goes out and, you know, she's like this, she's out there like a little bee, you know, going everywhere and gathering your nectar and bringing it back in and then coming back in and taking refuge with the Shiva hunk, (laughs) you know, that she comes home and takes refuge in Shiva. And, um, and, because if we talk about divine consciousness, then there's this notion of Shiva, which is the masculine principle in its divine manifestation, is pure uh, witness, pure observing, with no agenda, not doing anything other than just being there and holding the energy. And um, and we find that in the in the in the witness self in the observer self, whereas the the Shakti energy, the feminine principle, she's she's also like she's in the emptiness, but she's filling up the emptiness with this creative unfolding f- fecundity that she has, this incredible fertility that she has of giving birth, you know, all of the time, and naming. And in and engaging intimately with all that is, and uh, and I find that's a really beautiful description of of the difference also between masculine and and and, and feminine energies. And when we look at, if we just look at men and we look at women, and we try and look at them with fresh eyes, I I find that very often we actually discover that most men many men you know they really have a kind of hermit part you know once they once they're with the woman that they want to be with they're really quite happy to just sit back and um and hold the space you know provide Mm -hmm. provide for the space you know provide for the shelter 
and yeah. we see that the the women are, you know, they have their fingers in all of the pies. You know, they know everything that's going on, and that's because they're there. They 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 they're fascinated about how the web holds together, and they also are instinctively web weavers. You know, it's like I see the women's our job is to keep the web intact, and we do that because we're natural networkers. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I, of course, in my work, I do a ton of networking and public speaking and, and, and I feel like I'm on, you know, when I'm working one on one with clients, I'm, I, I love that image of weaving the web, I'm showing them their tapestry of what they have spun in their own life. And so then when I come home, yeah, I want my man to make me a cocktail and let me put my head on his chest. And and I feel that uh, ever since we had our sessions in France and we did this work, that even my husband, Ruben, as I shared with him the experiences I was having with you, I can say that since then he has had his spiritual life broken open. And he's atheist. He, you know, he, he's very supportive of what I do. He knows that some phenomenon is happening when I'm working with clients, but it's just, it's not really his thing, I would say. And yet he has been so empowered by this notion of holding space and reclaiming the strong silent type as being a perfect expression of the masculine. And uh, we've reframed our language a lot. I don't call myself the breadwinner. You know, we're both generative partners in our life and we do it in different ways. And I'm in full on Shakti mode right now. So of course I'm going to be the one who's out, you know, earning cash money and uh, transacting with individuals. But meanwhile, he is the mountain that you know, holds that domestic space and keeps it safe. And it's been so empowering for us as a couple, even though it was my spiritual uh, awakening. I'm wondering about your work uh, with Tantric Women, the program that you have. Tell me how that transpired. What's it about? And why is that important work for women? The, the the series of of seminars that I that I teach for the tantric woman was really um, came into being for for myself because because I felt that it was imperative to to be able to renew myself. Um, and um, and to be able to keep my my sensual and sexual pelvic uh, energy alive, I really needed to keep speaking to and and um, and encouraging the arising and expression of my own of my own shakti energy. And for me, that was particularly important. Um, after menopause, uh, because there is a there is a pretty strong um, collective 
idea in society that once you're menopause, you're done, you're done and dusted, and <laughs> uh, you're done and dusted, and and of course that's a complete fallacy as every woman who's who's journeyed through menopause and come out the other side knows um, you're only done and dusted if you believe that that's what that that's what you that's what's going to happen to you. In fact, menopause is a, is an, a, an amazing, rich and deep and for many women very, very challenging passage where what I understood from my journey through it was that it was a, a, there was a potential invitation in there very, very strong to reinvent myself and to reinvent myself completely beyond the gaze of men um, because for sure you are not perceived anymore by men as a you know as the same object that you were when you're when you're when you're an ovulating woman you know you know you you are your identity as a biologically uh, as a um as a as a woman desirable at that level, you know that disappears. And so, as women, we I believe that we have the possibility to to generate um, a different kind of beauty, which is this it's the, it's the invitation par excellence to cultivate our inner beauty and to bring that beauty up out through the through the cells of our body and to radiate that. But you can't do that if you, you know, if you're dead on the, if you're dead on the road, you have to be juicy to do that. You have to be juicy. You got to be a juicy woman, and there's a lot of different ways to be juicy, and and to be juicy and to be gorgeous and to feel gorgeous and 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 so this whole tantric women series, for me, birthed actually out of my own difficulty. Of um of trying to work out how to do that because I basically came from a culture where where once you were menopause you were you know you were kind of like nobody was much really interested in you and even though my own mother she was a in her own way you know she she kept herself going or on some levels reinvented herself the the fact is that through time and through generations more and more before because also we all died younger they're just we don't have much modeling as women mm. so we're really really short on modeling um what can you be and how can you look and what's allowable for you once you've you've gone through once you've gone through menopause and there's more and more of us uh, because we're living longer and so that but that said, the, the the tantric women's work is not only for women who have menopause. It's it's for any woman who wants to get in touch with her pelvic energy and and get a and get a direct uh, live experience of of what is your shakti, what is the kundalini energy, what is that life force energy when it when it moves through your pelvis, and how can you. Um, how can you canalize it so that it comes up through your belly so that you can use it to be sexual if you wish. You can use it to be sensual if you wish. You can use it 
to be creative as you wish. You can use it to love with as you wish. You can use it um, for talking if you wish. You can use it for clear seeing if you wish. The that energy is can go anywhere, and we mm. and we have that capacity to learn how to use it. And uh, as women, as men too. But you know, I'm particularly focused on on tantric on women because I am a woman, and because I think that there's lots and lots of ways that women still tend to doubt themselves. They still we still tend to um, fall back on the pattern that that men are the defining reference points of of what of what has value in the world. It doesn't matter how feminist we may have been or how deeply we we love women. The fact is we still live in a patriarchal world. And so the values that we're defined by are patriarchal and we're you know, we're we're delirious if we think otherwise. You know, we're deeply formatted by that patriarchal world, and um, and so the so for me, a tantric woman is a she truly is a free woman. It doesn't mean that she doesn't love men. It doesn't mean that she doesn't love her sweetheart. It doesn't mean that she doesn't come home and take refuge in her sweetheart. But it means beyond that. That she's listening to her to her inner essence, and that she's honoring that inner essence, and that you know, so that when she's saying yes, it's yes, and when she's saying no, it's no, and uh, she's being true to herself. So, when you are giving seminars, what exactly are you doing? Because when I think of tantra, mm-hmm. I think of you know the 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 I think of Sting having sex for eight hours. And frankly, <laughs> as a Shakti woman, I'm busy. I don't have time for yeah. that. <laughs> so just sort of, you know, in a nutshell, are you doing visualization exercises? Are you are you recommending masturbation? Like what 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 is that exactly? If I were to go to a tantric woman seminar, what would I expect? What you would uh well, you wouldn't be making love for eight hours um, because it's all women and so we're not making love together. So you wouldn't be doing that uh, unless that's what you decided what you wanted to be doing, but you wouldn't be doing that when we were in the in the group room. Uh, um, you would be basically, you'd be working with a, a group of other women in my world of tantric women most of the women are heterosexual and so most of those women are with men and and you know will go back home to their men um we will be um i will be teaching you to um to recognize what is your shakti and how can you generate shakti for yourself what do you need to relax into what do you need to drop down into? What do you need to let go of inside of yourself as limiting beliefs um, in order to become more familiar with the Shakti energy and to open up to it because there's nothing that the Shakti energy wants more than to flow freely uh, in and throughout a human body. And so we will be looking at 
you know, what does that mean for you? Have you had Shakti experiences? Do you recognize what is it? Do you know what Kundalini is? Do you, do you, do you know how that feels when it flows through you? And how can you welcome it? How can you breathe with it? How can you let it come up you? How can you let it come down through you? How does that, you will be experiencing expanding your awareness uh, so that you you can step into, not step into so much as that so you can open into um, a state of consciousness that's, that's more non-dual than dual so that you have a clear perception so that you're so that you're open intuitively, so that you're open spiritually, so that you're in your you're stepping into divine states of consciousness where what is is and what is is evident mm-hmm. to you. It's heart open space, compassionate space, wise space, accessing easy access to the truth of what is space. And from there that Shakti energy is informing you and helping you to understand the simple and obvious truth about who you really are. And from there, basically that would be like the first part of what we do, the training part, which we're working as a group, we're working in in pairs, we're working in groups of, in, of groups of three, all kind of combinations of experiential work. And, and basically from there we're playing a lot, mm. um, taking risks, doing what I call um, freefall exercises where I'm encouraging you to expand your limits, to take risks, to trust, to develop faith and to discover what you're capable of. We work about body image, we work with, we dress up, we, we explore all kind of different archetypes about um, who women can be. So we might be working with, with goddess energy, we might be working with, you know, slut energy, we might be working with virgin energy. I mean, we'll be, be looking at and exploring all of what are all the different kinds of identities that we can have. And how through all of those identities can we develop unconditional love and acceptance uh, of all of those different identities so that there is no shame, so that there's no guilt, so that there's no blame, so that there's no judgment because every, every possible embodiment, every possible incarnation, every possible um, representation of the, of the feminine principle is, comes from comes from the universe, comes from the one. So, you know, we're also really, really working, I like to think deeply and simply and and honestly with um, reclaiming our innocence because because as women, you know, we really have been conditioned into believing, you know, that that we're wrong, you know, that we're guilty. You know, we're guilty if we're too, you know, we're guilty if we're shy, we're guilty if we're too closed, we're guilty if we're too open. You know, we're, we're, we've been cro- programmed to, to carry heavy judgments about ourselves. And, and the fact is that 
um, is that, that that's wrong thinking. That's thinking that works against us and we close down and we and we shrivel up and get dry because of that. And that's really a shame because I believe that the world, the universe needs us, you know, needs us to be silky, needs us to be soft, needs us to be open, you know, needs us to be wet and juicy at yeah. every level of ourselves. And I'm not just talking about there about, you know, about pelvically. Yeah. But clearly this isn't all about sex, obviously, because what you're talking about is spiritual self-esteem, is about claiming our space in the public sphere, is about uh, gazing back at the male gaze. Uh, you know, this is real. This is juicy stuff. I can't wait to bring you out here to this do that. Is, thank you. <laughs> I tell you, this is really juicy because the, the one thing that women know how to do better than anybody on the planet is that women know how to be intimate with all that is and the, mm. and it, and that's what a tantric woman and a tantric man knows how to do i mean i yeah. wouldn't mind teaching tantric men groups you know it's just that nobody's ever asked me to do it but <laughs> because you know I, as a woman i can teach that because that's what because that is what tantra is the whole the whole philosophy of tantra is not about sex it's about intimacy. It's about connection. It's about energy. It's about welcoming and opening to and going deeper and becoming at one with whatever is. It's mm-hmm. a teaching about intimacy. So I put us as women into a safe place. We take the men away because men are a distraction. And we work on cultivating what we know instinctively but it's so instinctive, it's so natural for us that we just don't give ourselves credit for it. And what happens is that women in my tantric women groups, they get to realize, oh, my God, I've actually, I actually know how to do this. You know, this, is second, this is second nature to me, so I don't give it any value. Whereas, in fact, it's, it's our biggest um, competency and it's what the world needs because as you know, as I know, as anybody with any cultivated intelligence knows you can never you cannot harm somebody that you have true intimacy with how can you it's impossible you would never want to harm somebody that that you have connection and intimacy with because it would be like harming yourself I want to talk again about um what you were talking about with divine states of consciousness because as you were describing you know, virgin states, slut states, you know, these different archetypes of the female experience. I was thinking of Mary Magdalene. When I came to see you in France for several months beforehand, I was having dreams about this woman. And it took me a while to realize that I, that it was Mary Magdalene in my dreams. And I didn't know very much about her. I didn't grow up in the church or anything like that. And as we were planning our trip, I kept noticing that uh, information was coming to me about sacred sites in the south of France that were related to Mary Magdalene. And I had a very strong interest in other, you know, groups like the Cathars and, and different people. But Mary Magdalene kept 
coming to me in different dreams and scenes and little signs or, you know, a book, you know, at the bookstore that was right at the cash register. And I said, oh, is this for sale? And they said, yeah, I don't know why this is here. And then I just bought it. And it was all about Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. Within the first few minutes of sitting with you, I had shared with you that all of this was coming to me. And I really felt a strong call to go to La Grotte de la Saint-Baum, where Mary Magdalene um, lived out her days, uh, which was not very far from where we were in France. And you asked me, what is your interest in Mary Magdalene? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) And you said, well, I've been researching her for 18 months or so. And you recommended to me the book by Cynthia Bourgault, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, Discovering the Woman at the Heart of Christianity. I devoured that book on my Kindle first because I was traveling and then ordered it uh, so that it would be waiting for me at home when I got there. I was absolutely enchanted with Mary Magdalene and reading her story as written by this this priest, uh, I think she's uh, Pentecostal or Episcopalian, and the writer is very measured in her research because of course she wants her work to be accepted by the church but basically my interpretation is that Mary Magdalene essentially was channeling you know she she was what you're describing as the tantric woman she was apostle to the apostles and isn't it interesting that the woman at the heart of Christianity has also experienced mm-hmm. her feminine self, her feminine expression, uh, being bound by men. You talked about men set the parameters for the feminine expression, and she is such an amazing example of that. What a powerful, incredibly articulate and 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 uh, devout woman who was then. Uh, relegated to the sidelines as a prostitute, which wasn't even true. Tell me about your interest in Mary Magdalene and how she came into your consciousness. Mm. Yeah, so that was all, everything that you said, really, really interesting. And thank you for for mentioning the, the name of that book, because I would say anybody interested in, in knowing more about Mary Magdalene could read uh, that book because it's brilliant and it was so well researched and and um, and so giving back to Mary Magdalene the the place that I believe that that Jesus Christ certainly gave to her and which was then unfortunately <laughs> taken away from her my my interest in in uh, in Mary Magdalene, uh, actually started because um, I, I, I'm more when it comes to the divine feminine uh, energies. I've been more following the um, the Buddhist tradition or the the Hindu traditions, and so I've been more involved with divine principles like Shakti or like. Um, or, or like Kuan Yin, because I've just been more comfortable in that world. I was raised in a in a Christian world, but I was raised in a non a non religious family, but nonetheless 
in a in a in a religious culture and a Judeo-Christian culture, and so I kind of put um, Christianity over to the side at a fairly young age, and um, but at the same time have always felt an affinity with the Christ energy and really had nothing against it and have been so-called visited by that Christ energy at different important moments in my life. And so I have a real deep tenderness and, and, and desire to honour that being that like I would call Jesus Christ. But I never, ever spent any time reflecting about Mary Magdalene or Mother Mary or Holy Mother. Uh, I mean, for, for me, those were secondary figures in the theatre of Christianity because that was the kind of programming I received, which is the kind of programming that every Christian receives. You know, it's a patriarchal vision. And, um, and, and so for me, my introduction to Mary, Mary Magdalene was that basically at some point um, in the last couple of years, she just stepped forward into, into my consciousness and, and, and I don't know, touched me in a really, really deep place. And I wouldn't go so far as to say that I had a religious conversion because that would be, that would, that's just not true. Um, but something like that happened to me. I, when I was involved in my spiritual practice, in my tantric practice, at a certain point, um, it was like I became inhabited not just by, by Mary Magdalene, but really by all of the Marys. It was like I had, I was suddenly found myself in the presence of all of the Marys. And at that moment of the crucifixion or shortly, you know, thereafter of, uh, of Jesus. And, and it was a really deeply heart-rendering experience for me because I felt in that moment that I touched the not only the 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 horrible the intolerable unacceptable suffering um of a, of a woman a mother a sister a lover to losing uh, a dearly beloved but i also touched this incredible deep acceptance and understanding of that and i touched also the wisdom that holds that this this intolerable unacceptable event happens and it had to happen and like everybody knew it was going to happen and everybody had their part to play and um the marys who were holding the space this is my perception uh, holding the space for that unfolding of the christian story and they're like really the unsung heroines of that story because uh, Jesus went on the cross and, you know, died and, and was resurrected and left again. But, you know, they stayed. They stayed and they carried the grief. The grief, they carried the grief and they carried the injustice and she carried the, the torch of their of their tantric union because in my understanding of 
Mary Madeline and Mary Magdalene and, and Jesus Christ, you know, they were a tantric couple. They were practicing alchemy. They were practicing the transmutation between them. And she was um, his true wife, his truly sacred holy wife. And she was recognized by the other Marys as being that. And so she really was a saint. And and then in the, and then in the church in in France at this place you know this location of the of Saint Baume, um, she was recognised as as a saint by by that um, by that lineage of Christianity, and uh, but you know that's a very very small little church right that mm. recognises her in that role. And um, it's one of the things that I probably really, really appreciate actually about France is that, is that, uh, is that the French have some kind of instinctive, really pleasant way of honouring the feminine principle that we don't find, I don't think, as much in, in some other uh, cultures around the world. Um, but uh, I have always found that that the French people, you know, they kind of they love their mums, you know, they love their mums. That you know, they love their, you know, they love their they love their women. They're yes. not afraid. They're not afraid about that feminine principle. The feminine principle has a value to be soft, to be sweet, and to there be... are many many sacred places that honor the feminine throughout the south of france i mean it, it yeah and throughout france of yeah. course yeah and yes you're right you you do notice it in in the culture yeah and it it really i did feel it in uh different um areas particularly uh there's the forest uh, down below as you approach mm. the the mountain where the grotto her cave mary magdalene's cave is and uh, as you go through the forest, there there are two roads. There's the King's Road, and then there's sort of the back road. Mm. And um, the forest itself is enchanting. It really is so lovely. And when you go the back road, uh, it I just I found it a perfect uh, balance for the King's Road. Mm. <laughs> Everything is, you know, the King's Road is very, <laughs> uh, you know, it's plowed and it's wide and it's more like a boulevard. Mm. And yeah. the, then the other road, which I think has, has more of the feminine principle, is about discovery. And there are corners and turns and there's revelation because, you you know, you have to sort of climb around different rocks. And the stairs are there have been hand wrought and, you know, made of, of different roots and stones. And it... it uh, it's true that it may not be on purpose, but there's an instinctive honoring of the balance between the divine masculine and the divine feminine principles that come together in the one. And of course, how lovely that those two roads lead to the, the, uh, the grotto, the cave where mm. Mary Magdalene uh, stayed all those days. Now, the book is really... I, yes, I agree. Anybody who wants to know about Mary Magdalene uh, should be looking for Cynthia Borgo's book. And um, the link to find that will be in the show notes on the blog. Uh, but, you know, it's very tantalizing the conversation we've just had for anybody who hasn't read the book because 
and sort of like who are all these Marys and the book will describe who uh, the real story of the relationship uh, between uh, Mary Magdalene and Jesus and the other Mary who was a sister but also uh, the book goes into the um, gospel according to Thomas and mm. also the gospel of Mary Magdalene um, and and even I think there's also the gospel of Philip so there are she was not only recognized uh, whether or not as a, a consummate partner of Jesus whether or not you want to go there or not to think mm-hmm. that she and Jesus actually had sex personally I think so but uh, but the book certainly stays neutral on that um, however Mary Magdalene was elevated as the spouse of Jesus not only by the women but also by the men and it wasn't until about 400 um, uh, AD that the the church mm, Depromoted her or whatever that was demoted yeah. her. <laughs> I, and I think yes. the I think the essence, one of the 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 essential messages of that book is that you know whether they were having sex or not is you know is up for discussion. But the fact is, you know, they were they were practicing tantra together. Mm. They were breathing together. They were being together. They were healing together. They were practicing alchemy together, energetic alchemy, and um, that seems to be obvious. And so I found, you know, that was what was really amazing for me about that book and which which really reconciled me with a certain notion, you know, that I had of Christianity, which I found it, you know, I generally found it pretty dry as a religion and I'm a real fan of Tantra. And it just resonated in me. Uh, deeply, deeply, deeply in me, to to understand that the that the Christian teaching is a very, very, very deep wisdom teaching. It's a teaching um, that that points us towards non-duality. And I mean, I knew that theoretically, but the way that you know I was taught to get there through Christianity, I found that dry and boring. Whereas for me, if somebody tells me join in connection in in and reveal yourself heart to heart and melt and merge and skin drink and soul drink with another person and that you can do that through following the christian teaching i mean i'm suddenly really really interested in following that teaching <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> because it's, yeah because it's juicy it's it's and it's and, and there's deep love in it huh? mm-hmm. and, and there's going to be joy in it yes mm-hmm. and you talked about um you know, we don't have a lot of um, models of women who, you know, uh, claim their voice, claim their power, um, particularly after a certain time of life. And when I think about Mary Magdalene, I mean, it's never her story of living as a hermitess for 30 years is never written anywhere. Nobody talks about that. It's like, oh, she was a prostitute and then, um, you know, probably went on to do that. But no, her her voice and her teaching, her leading uh, of the apostles before they all um, sort of scattered through the Mediterranean uh, is very much, um, I would say, responsible for the dissemination of, of Jesus' message throughout the world. And so here we have a wonderful model of a, uh, an archetype that deserves to be restored. Thank you so much for sharing 
your experience and uh, wisdom today with uh, Shakti and Tantric Woman and Mary Magdalene. As you know, at the end of the show, there's the question from the Proust questionnaire from Marcel Proust, which is just so perfect since you're in France. (laughs) (laughs) So the question for you today is, what do you value most in your friends? What do I value most in my friends? I, I value honesty most in my friends. For me, that would be what I love the most in a good friend is somebody that I can go to and I can tell them my story, whatever my story is, you know, whatever the drama, the burning issue of the day is or the whatever it is that's preoccupying me. And I can say to them, tell me what do you think and feel about that? What's your hit on that? Mm. And, um, and what I value is that they will be completely real and transparent with me and share with me what they really think. In other words, they will not say something uh, just to please me. I mean, I don't mind if they please me as well because <laughs> I, I really love it if they'll do that because that's another thing I like, you know, that no matter what I do or what I say or, or what happens, you know, they love me and accept me unconditionally. When I think about my friends, you know, my really good friends, the friends that I have over time, it's those, it's just that way that, you know, it doesn't matter what happens to us. We keep being there for each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that being honest, being absolutely authentic and real and also just hanging in there, being there mm-hmm. no matter what. That's great. Thank That's you. That's what matters for me. Mm. Thank you so much for being real and authentic and honest and being here with me today. I so appreciate that about you too, Judy. Thank you. You are very, very welcome. And for me, this was a, an absolutely intriguing and delightful conversation. And I have to tell you, I learned quite a lot through this oh. conversation today. Mm. So oh. I thank you for that. <laughs> I learned something about what I do in my work. <laughs> That's perfect. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you, Judy. God bless you. She's so right, isn't she? There are a lot of different ways to be juicy. Remember in the beginning of the conversation, it was a long conversation, but remember in the beginning when Judy was talking about Shiva and Shakti energy? I was so enchanted and romanced by what she said about Shiva as pure witness with no agenda, that masculine energy that just holds the space. I love that idea that the strong silent type is a containing energy. And then Shakti and her fecundity and fertility, how she fills the space, naming and engaging with all that is. I just loved how Judy put that. Today's show notes can be found on my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. 
And that's where you'll find more information about Judy and about the book, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene by Cynthia Borgo. And I want to thank you so much for listening. Did you know that the Numinous Podcast has listeners in 33 countries? I was shocked and amazed and thrilled to discover that. So thank you so much, Kazakhstan. I don't know who you are, but thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it far and wide. And of course, I appreciate your review on iTunes. Thank you, everybody who has reviewed and subscribed. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, and click the link for the Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download, and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.